Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as technology and strategy, technology, strategy, and innovation at SBS, plus in spare time, technology commentator at News Talk TUE, at Current Affair 9, at The Today Show, and podcast at Your Tech Life, website at EFTM. Oh. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Trevor Long. Malky, I've never heard my uh, bio, Twitter bio read back to me, so it's a little, it is a little strange, actually, to listen to it that way. It's very, very full. Trevor, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, that, you know, the easy answer to that, I don't do social settings. <laughs> I, uh, I'm very social on social media, but mm-hmm. I avoid like the plague, any, uh, human interaction, to be honest. I mean, you know, at, at, at local sports where my son's playing, I'm just Jackson's dad or, uh, you know, at a, at a, an event, which is probably the only other things I'd go to, you know, like a tech launch or something. I'm just, you know, Trevor from EFTM. It's probably as good as it gets. In an Australian context, there's invariably the conversation when you're you know, cooking a barbecue or, or watching your son play sport. Uh, there's the conversation, what do you do? Oh, sure. Do you tell them all of that? Yeah. Again, it probably depends on the on the person. And this sounds very egotistical, but most of the time people have a, a base knowledge of something about me. So, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, they'll have, you know, they'll know I, I'm on the Today Show, or they'll know I'm on Two UE. Um, so that kind of kicks it off. So, as terrible as it sounds for my day job, it doesn't really come up that I have a day job, and the stuff that I do that they know about is actually not my day job, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How do you describe your experience of family? My experience of family. Mm. Um. You know, it's life-changing. You know, having a family is the most awesome thing that has ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Also the most time-consuming and daunting. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's something about, and and this is why it's always judgmental for people who have kids to look upon people who don't have kids and, you know, say, why don't you or whatever. But, you know, you'll never know the love like you know when you when you hold your, a baby in your arms for the first time. And you know what? I love coming home to my kids, whether they're angry or I'm angry. It's still, they're, we're so connected in this way that no other human beings on the planet are, mm. um, or I am with them, that it's it's awesome. You know, it's just the most awesome thing. Do you find you covet your family time ahead of all other things? I'd like to say so, but in absolute truth, no. I mean, um, I covet uh, over the last, I was going to say, six months, my, my Sundays have become something special because my wife has started working Sundays. And um, mm-hmm. so, so that's my day with the kids. We have, we're not divorced. It's just my, <laughs> that's my yeah. day. Um, and so that's been awesome because it has meant that there's this compartmentalized space of time within the week whereby basically I wouldn't care who you were or what radio or television network you work for, I probably wouldn't give you my time because that's my time with my kids. Now, I also am probably, you know, most, um, certainly in tech circles, but most journos probably have a bio at PR companies and a pretty confident mind says 
doesn't go out at night because he's got a family. Um, mm. I, I, I either use them as an excuse or a genuine reason not to go to things because I'd prefer to be at home with my kids reading books and watching them get in the bath and things than standing around at a, you know, pseudo music concert to launch a, you know, new Bluetooth speaker. How do you then juggle a full-time job and then a full-time second job? The juggling's never been a problem for me for, for two reasons. One, I've got an awesomely super supportive, um, kind of team at work, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of my bosses was kind of super, super encouraging of what I do and how I do it. Um, but really the only thing that impacts on my nine to five time is the odd coffee meeting that I like to have, you know, at least once a fortnight with a random company or PR mob sure. just to, just to get to know people. Most of, almost everything else that I do happens outside of work time right. and, and what I've done is I've, I've pushed it all to the morning. So most of my radio spots that I do across the country are in the morning, you know, breakfast time. Um, yeah. I have a couple that like I have one that's at 4.45 in the afternoon drive time. So I, I really doesn't impact. So they do, they're two very separate lives. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the problem there is that then there's family time as well. Most people have work and life balance. I have work, tech and life balance that I juggle <laughs> as best I can. <laughs> Would you describe yourself as a technology pragmatist? I couldn't even tell you what a technology pragmatist is, but um, yeah, I like to think I'm reasonably pragmatic about things, technology, but mm. I'm also, look, I'm pretty positive about, I'm, you, don't, you don't normally hear me bagging stuff um, or, you know, writing really super negative reviews not because I'm positive about everything, but because I just, there's plenty of people in the world who are doing the negative stuff. Mm -hmm. I just won't publish it. So if I've got a little, you know, $20 action cam and I think it's no good, I just won't review it Um, rather than, rather than spending all my time taking photos and trying to, you know, write a really negative review. There's someone else in the world who's written a negative review. I, I work on what my audience might want. That would put you into a, a space where, and I respond well to this, uh, you're a guy who can talk about just the things that are working well or really good or really interesting as opposed to stuff that maybe isn't or negative reviews because someone else can do this. I'm just going to be pro about a lot of things. Totally, because, see, I mean, I got into this game doing talkback technology, mm-hmm. So, and that's what I still base my life around. Even one of my podcasts is talkback technology, even though it's a podcast, because people... And, and with the greatest respect to the rest of the humans of Twitter and you know, the, the many followers or, or people around, there are a lot of people out there who are nowhere near as savvy as the least savvy Twitter user. Mm. Um, and they're the people who ring me up and go, oh, you know, I had a lady on the weekend ring up and she goes, um, so I'm thinking about getting a, a tablet, I'm thinking about getting an iPad. And uh, my, I'm try- my friends tell me to get a Samsung. My, my kids tell me to get an iPad. I, what? What should I do? That's their quandary is they, they need a judge, they need an adjudicator, they need someone to help them with that decision. And as weirdly powerful as that makes me feel, and it does, you, you kind of got to frame that for them. And, and in, in her case, it was, it was really easy because she had family, her, her daughters who lived with her had iPads, easy decision, just get an iPad because you don't yeah. want someone else to have to learn. So not negative about Samsung tablets, they're awesome. But in her situation, no need for any, anything other than an iPad. Um, 
but I probably wouldn't go to the trouble of telling her that there's a whole bunch of other things on the market that I would avoid like the plague because they're not even in her frame of reference. Yeah. So, yeah, I like to think about what people actually want to know, um, you know, dealing with real people. I mean, it's it, again, it's terrible, but it's there's a bunch of people out there who just aren't as connected as, as the rest of us. What's your favourite bit of tech right now? Oh, Malky, great question. You know what? Easy, actually, as I turn and look at the mess of my office. <laughs> my drone. My drone yeah. remains... Um, see, the the awesome thing about having an office full of courier-delivered crazy weird things is that I get to play with the coolest stuff. But rarely do I covet it. Rarely do I buy it for, for mm. a start. Um, not because I get free stuff, but because most of it gets sent back. But yeah. You know, I like the, the drone is so cool because it takes me to a different place. Several things, you know, I, I love the photos and the videos that you get from a different angle. I love that my kids love it and it's weird again, but the kids, you know, I'll say to Harry, who's three, I said to him on Saturday, what do you want to do tomorrow, buddy? And he goes, fly the drone. And I'm like, I couldn't, <laughs> like life could not be better, right? Yeah. Um, it's just a really great connection that we have. And it, and it means we go somewhere. We go for a drive somewhere, whether it's the mountains or the beaches or something. And we go somewhere we would never have gone normally. Um, I, I don't think you can go past the drone. And I think that the, you know, drones are really got a nice little future as a, as a niche tech space. What challenges you? Oh, what challenges me? Uh, look, my, my opinions and, and probably my temper challenge me a lot. If, mm-hmm. if I'm kind of really honest, I mean, I look at, you know, the world of Twitter and I can get really angered by people because, you know, people are just mm. shouting into an echo chamber most of the time. And I feel like it's kind of a complete waste. Um, so I'm often challenged to just walk away and switch off. I, I, I can easily have a temper and I, uh, yeah, I guess I'm challenged by, <laughs> challenged by controlling that. Have you struggled tempering that in the past? Um, not not knowingly, I guess, you know, I came from a place where, uh, you know, anger or shouting, I guess, was, mm. uh, was just a done thing. You know, I worked at a radio station where, you know, people got yelled at and, you know, I, I was in a position where I had to yell at people. Um, I didn't know it was an issue. And it, to be honest, I, I still look back at it and don't think it was a massive issue. I just look at it and go, that was the way things were done at that time. But when I moved to SBS, I kind of, you know, the ways of the world are very different in a public service, let alone a, a broadcaster like that. And <laughs> you know, I learned a different way of being. And it's it's awesome to look back on yourself and go, I don't want to be that guy again, but I don't regret it. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think I don't, I don't knowing, I don't knowingly remember that, but I'm sure if I look back on it and analysed every single incident, I'd probably think differently about certain times. What did Trevor Long want to be in year 11? Hmm, I don't know. Jeez. I'm pretty sure it was like a race car driver or something, and I'm so massively awesome. in motorsport that, um, awesome. that I'm pretty sure my year, even my year 12 yearbook says, you know, win Bathurst or something <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> like that. Um you know, I certainly didn't have any political like, leanings. I didn't have media on my mind. I was mm-hmm. year 11, no, year 12, a little bit more. I'd started ringing radio stations and stuff. So I kind of got into the buzz of it. But yeah, year 11, I was just a boring, because I was 15 too. I was quite young um, in high school. So 
Yes. I was, yeah, I just wanted to race at Bathurst, I think. <laughs> How did the decision to get into radio shape who you are now? Um, you know, Malky, that's a great question. I have to say that a huge percentage of me, huge percentage is shaped by my career and, and therefore that decision. I mean, you know, the male influences in my life are all up until I met my wife and, you know, her father. So my father-in-law, who's a you know, strong male influence, mm. um, all my, all the other male influence, influences in my life were radio people. You know, it started with David Tapp, who was, a, who, I used to ring his radio show every Sunday night. Wow. Um, you know, and then I, then I worked with Ray Hadley for, you know, eight, 10 years, mm. you know, uh, then I worked with uh, my, one of my bosses at SBS, Dirk Anthony was just, you know, super influential. So I think it all went, look, when you spend that much time at work and no, not disrespecting other, other forms of occupation, but I've never done them, but you mm. know, the media is all encompassing. Um, when you are, uh, you know, a young producer, you want to know about everything. So, you know, a, a political spill is something you want to go to the radio station and be part of. Um, you know, you you live and breathe things like I, I was there when Threadbow happened. I was there when Princess wow. Die died. You know, I can remember producing those radio shows. Mike Jeffries was on air when Princess Die died, and I remember still so vividly today the the AAP wire coming up on the screen. Uh, you know, French news agencies reporting Princess Diana has died, and it came up twice. It was very weird. You don't normally see repeated messages. Mm. Um, so, you know, you live and breathe it. And then when you kind of work your way through the ranks, I guess, in a management position, as I was at, at 2GB, you know, your phone rings 24-7. You just do. It just, it, it's just, it's, you live and breathe your work. So you can't help but, it would be wrong to say that, that my career choice didn't influence my life or my personality or who I am. How do you switch that off then when you need family time or personal headspace Trevor time? Yeah, fa or family itself helped because you just realise there's other priorities in life, right? Mm. <laughs> you go from being a 25-year-old who lives and breathes, you know, the show you're working on or the place you work at to going, oh, no, I've got to go home, man. My kid's just about to walk. You know, it just, it just changes. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that, that happens pretty quickly. But I, I didn't see it as starkly as that because I, I changed jobs. And I can remember after about three weeks in, in my new job, my wife and I just looking at each other going, no one rings after hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just different. So, you know, I think sometimes you make those decisions for your, for your, your kind of personal space as opposed to uh, letting your career drive it. But, yeah, I just, it just evolved, I think. What's the biggest thing to have happened to you? biggest thing to have happened to me man that is solid um yeah it's because that's a tough one because there's so many like i could i could kind of put a moment in different stages of yes. of your career kind of thing so i'll go way back and i'll tell you that producing um sports zone i think it was called with david tapp on a sunday night you know six to eight or something a sports show and i'm talking mid to late 90s, so 96, 97 here somewhere. Yeah. I can remember getting a hold of Susie Maroney's mum while she was on the boat while Susie was swimming from Cuba to Florida or something, you know, wow. one of those lines. Now, that was, that was before the internet. That was before mobile phones were big. So 
it was a huge moment for me. It felt like a real achievement. And yes. so I think that if you then, you know, take another another five-year period, another five-year period, you know, uh, coordinating the radio coverage of the Athens Olympics, uh, you know, 10 years of rugby league grand finals, there's so many great things that you do. I don't know, you could pick one. Um, you know, I guess, if I'm honest, more recently, you know, I worked really hard to kind of create a... I don't know, a brand sounds sounds really wanky, but create something for myself that meant that I, I became that go-to person for technology. So I had a radio station. Well, why don't I have 15? Why, is it, why aren't more mm. people calling me? And, uh, you know, working with The Current Affair, now working on The Today Show, I've kind of, I think moving into the, the work that I do with The Today Show has been a big thing for me. It's been massive. The last year of doing that has been, you know, a very big difference in my tech career. Is that something from a television perspective that you sought out or they came to you because they'd heard you on the radio? So the current, a current affair I've been doing now for probably five and a half years. And that came about because Gary McNabb, who was a producer at a current affair, um, heard me on the radio and mm-hmm. they were doing a story on um, mobile phones and spyware. Tom Steinfurt was the reporter, um, and they said, can you do this thing? And I went, yeah, I just gave all these crazy comments and my, my thoughts on how the thing worked. I remember I remember so vividly because the, the tape didn't work. We had to record it again the next day. Um, <laughs> um, but I remember Gary McNabb, who's I think now, uh, he, he worked at SBS for a bit, and I think he's now back at like 60 minutes. So I remember him saying to me, he just he mm. heard me on the radio and, you know, thought I sounded all right. So that was good. So that that was that was pretty awesome to, to, you know, be on the TV. You get text messages from people saying, Hey, you're on TV. It doesn't happen after six years. People just assume it. Um, (laughs) But then, and then, you know, the today shows is, you know, I guess today show is really just about being available. You know, I just, I was just available. Um, I still get calls today from the morning show. Probably I knock back nine times out of 10 going on the morning show because I've got a day job and I can't cancel meetings for that. So yeah. very diff- very much harder to do the morning show than it is the Today Show because it's breakfast time. It's around the corner from my work. It's easy. Um, and I have a great, I, I kind of quickly built up a great relationship with them and, uh, you know, the, um, they're, they're a good bunch to deal with. And I think we're on a, we're on a similar level. I think it helps. Again, sounds egotistical, but deal with it, people. I'm, I've got a bit of an ego. Um, uh, <laughs> Having been a producer for so many years at a radio station, I know what works. I yeah. know what makes the phones ring. I know what's a good talk topic. So I kind of know how to pitch a story as well. So most of the times I'm pitching stories or ideas about gadgets or comparisons or something that, you know, hopefully will become a story because, hey, then I get to be on TV and it's a great story and it's just good. Having those story ideas is really important, isn't it? If for someone that's looking to get into commentary, having those story ideas up your sleeve ready to pitch because producers are always looking for good content and good talent, aren't they? You can't just be able to talk about the specs of a new iPhone. You've got to be Mm -hmm. able to say, why does it work? Why is it silly? Why does it appeal to this people and why won't it appeal to people? You've got to be able to be honest with a producer that says, you know what, this isn't a story. Um, you know, you've got to be honest with PR companies too sometimes and say, it's not worth my while because there's no, no, no media. See, my biggest challenge is a lot of the time PR companies say to me, oh, can you come to this or do that or we'll fly you there? And then I say, let me just ask you this. What do you expect that I'm going to do? Because, hey, I can talk on my podcast about it. Easy. I can write on my website about it. 
easy. I can pitch it as one of my topics on the radio this week. Can't guarantee it'll be done. Mm. I will consider pitching it as a TV story, but I got to know what it is first. And a lot of the times I'm like, yeah, not really a story. So yeah. I don't even want my name on the pitch, let alone the actual story. Yeah, just send a press release and see what someone bites. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the time the press release is not going to get them there. Um, I find that um, that if I can be a filter for the PR company sometimes, or, or for the TV stations, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be a filter for a current affair so that uh, a story will come in, and I'll go, you know what, great story, Mister Telco, that you're launching that new plan, but it's only a story if I say to a current affair, why don't we compare four types of plans, and you're one of them. But, yes. you know, you back yourself, you're the best one. But if you just pitch it on your own, it's probably not going to work. So, you know, you work – I'm I delightfully working with PR companies to try and get their stories up because it's good for me to be <laughs> – you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I'm, I don't – we've got to, you've got to remember the day job is what pays the mortgage. The All this other stuff just feeds my ego and, as we say, brand. So, hey, <laughs> if I'm across it more, then that's good for me. What is a source of strength for you, Trevor? Oh, man, you've got some good questions, man. Wow. What is a source of strength? Um, yeah, I'm going to go deep on you, Malk, and I'm just going to say Please. that. Yeah, um, yeah, my dad is a source of strength. My dad, I never met my dad. He died before I was born. I don't know. I just, I can be on a plane. Like I've spent a lot of time on planes in the last three weeks, such a first world problem. Hmm. Um, um, but I, I literally lie there and just think about, you know, what I would, a conversation I'd have with him. And, you know, I, I think about the, the, his, his thoughts on a, on a particular thing I've done or a topic. Um, yeah, I think I, I look at that kind of that side of the world and I'm not spiritual and all that, but I, I just think about that and think what, what should I do next? And, you know, how's that going to power me on? And what would he think? I mean, I, I literally ask myself, what would he think a lot of the time? Do you find then you turn that around and uh, use that as a motivation for the, the relationships you're cultivating with your kids? Yeah, it's terribly bad that it's jumped away on me. The kids have got really old really fast. Like I look at my <laughs> nine-year-old and I go, geez, I probably haven't, you know, tried hard enough on that whole, whoa, I'm your father thing. And I've got a, you know, you, I am literally the dude that you're looking up to. It's very, you know, it's my, my advice for parents is that creeps up on you real quick. Mm. Um, so I look at my nine-year-old and think I've got a bit of work to do here. And so it, it's weird. The last few weeks I've had him watching rugby league and we've been doing a whole bunch of things together and, and realizing that he's got to learn all this stuff. So, um, because that, yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting that's because I didn't have a dad around, but I just didn't, I don't remember that uh, as a kid. I, but maybe it just happened. So, yeah, I think a lot about um, how the kids should be seeing things and, and how I might have responded to that as a kid and, you know, try to create a pretty, pretty fun world, but still pretty, pretty strong um, in what we do. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Hardest truth I've had to deliver. Well, to be honest, I think that's a that's a really simple work one. That's you know saying to someone as a as a program director at a radio station, you ain't got it. Um, mm. You know, this is not the time for you. Or um, uh, probably a, a classic example is someone who really thinks they should be on breakfast, morning, afternoon, or drive radio, but they're perfectly suited to nights or overnights. 
um, mm. which is so not a bad thing because they are great audiences, hugely engaged, and yeah. tap it if you've got it right. But yeah. you know, sometimes sometimes you just gotta you gotta tell them, um, and that's that's pretty hard. You can come away from those conversations pretty hard, pretty heartbroken. Um, whether it's um, the, you know the other style of conversation like that as a, as a manager as a boss is you know letting people go, it's just hard because you're, you're directly impacting someone's life and you're hoping beyond all hope that they just bounce back and, you know, move on. But you do hold a lot of kind of power in that, in that sense. And it's, it's pretty hard to deal with if I'm honest. How did you handle it when someone had to deliver you a hard truth? Um, I know it's the, um, I'm I'm literally trying to think about it, but um, I don't handle I don't handle it well at all. Mm. <laughs> I don't handle uh, news, especially bad, at all well. Um, but I'm pretty good at uh, recoiling and running. Um, I can find a place of my own very quickly. I I'm lucky I get to drive cars, so I can go for a, you know an hour's drive and just be one with my Spotify playlist, if you like. Mm. Um, I'm, and this is, you know, relationship style. I'm, I don't, I don't hold on to things. I'm just like pretty quickly over it. So, yep, pretty hard straight up. But within an hour or two, I'm, I've probably moved on. Um, and it's that whole thing, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people will, will appreciate, you know, you're in an, either an argument or a sticky situation at home. And, you know, one partner is uh, still clinging on to it, but the other one's moved right on. I'm the guy mm. that moves on. <laughs> Has that got you into trouble with your partner or oh, a girlfriend before? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, my my wife, you know, has a lot of opinions on things, and and I will literally, I can literally just go, yeah, no, I'm I'm good with that. Let's just move on. But no, we've got to have that whole conversation. But yeah, I'm I'm not one for clinging to the to the whole thing. I'm just rather move on and get it, get life going again. No point sitting around and waiting for it. What's your favourite takeaway food choice? Oh, mate! You know anyone that knows me listening will laugh right now because basically I have what we've we've had to describe it now. Um, because if I go to a lunch, and especially bad when I'm on a on a trip with people because they essentially have to cater for me, I'm the world's pickiest eater. <laughs> like, I don't mean. I don't mean there's a couple of things. I, I think it's easier to describe what I do like than what I don't. So it becomes a running joke at, at you know, nights out or even work things or whatever. It's been described now as an immature palate. Um, <laughs> so goes life. Um, but when we're getting takeaway, we're getting Thai and I'm mm -hmm. getting, um, which what I think up, up where I live is called like crying tiger, but essentially it's, um, it's just steak, right? It's just strips of meat and <laughs> I don't want the sauce on it or anything. I just put some plain rice and some, strips of meat down and I'm a happy boy. So yeah, I'm pretty boring. But you know what you like, right? Oh mate, absolutely. I could, if you know, menu plans and all that, I could menu plan my life out. Easy. No dramas, steak and chips, pie and chips, chips feature heavily in my, in my staple <laughs> diet. Um, very easy to, uh, to plot my, uh, my menu plan out for a month. And it would uh, involve a lot of repeats. Oh mate, I have the same thing at work for lunch. Every day, mm. every day. Therese, who uh, works at the cafe, uh, I can walk in there. There can be a 
thousand people crowded there. All I've got to do is stand at the back and make very quick eye contact, and she's there making my rap. It's done. I don't need to have a conversation. There goes they're, they're therefore enforcing my non-social skills, and I eat the same thing every day. So no choice is required. Why would I waste time with choice? That just takes people forever. How does that um, single-mindedness when it comes to food translate then in a technology world where we have near infinite choice? Well, you know, um, I've thought about this a lot. It's, it's interesting how everything tech in my life, in terms of the world of tech, the, the, the job, the roles that I hold, yes. are almost the opposite of everything else in my life. So the other example of that, as well as the plainness of my, my eating habits, is my memory. I have a shocking memory. My <laughs> wife reckons I, I don't, but honestly, shocking memory. But, mate, ring me on the radio and ask me, you know, how to click these three buttons on this device. I'll do my darndest, and I'm, I'm pretty close most times. So it's very weird that in the world of tech, I have a pretty good memory. I'm open to anything. You know, I'll, I'll use an Android phone for as long as I can. I'll, I'll, I'll try everything in technology. Um, so it is, it's the anti-me, essentially. <laughs> I appreciate that you don't like to diss things, so I'm happy for you to couch this as you need to. What's the biggest tech mistake that you've seen in your career? Biggest tech mistake? There will be better ones because I'm terrible at thinking on my feet. But Sure. Um, clearly, the word BlackBerry comes first to mind. Oh, I can't wow. tell you what mistake they made, but mm. they certainly didn't keep up they certainly didn't mm. foresee the massive change or they ignored the change um you know i coveted that company i loved that brand i used i have about 30 blackberries in the shelf behind me i just think they were great products and they simply disappeared now yeah their underlying technology is worth a bazillion dollars and they're still a company and all that stuff but in the end you don't go into a Qantas club and see blackberries anymore remember you used to walk into a in, into mm. an airport lounge and every man would be holding a blackberry well, well they well, called now, them the crackberry for a reason didn't they yeah and nowadays you know struggle every man woman and child's got an iphone so yeah i, I just think i don't know what the mistake is to answer your question but i feel that if I was to be pushed to write an essay on it, I would firstly Google how to write an essay and then I would <laughs> remember to myself where BlackBerry went wrong. And, you know, they, they were so close, the BlackBerry Storm. In fact, you think about it, the BlackBerry Storm had that kind of push-in clicking screen. Mm. Well, hang on. Apple's just announced a thing called 3D Touch. It's mm. basically the same without the mechanical pushing in of the mechanism. So it's very interesting that they were actually way ahead of themselves, but they just didn't use it properly to their advantage. Sad, really. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Man, that is huge. This is uh, highly mm. confidential. I haven't even discussed it with my wife. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I struggle to have a conversation. Um, yeah, oh, to be honest, I've, I've got big plans. I want to I change things up a bit. I want to I focus more on the tech stuff that I do. Um, I think that I've started to realize where the where the market's going in terms of I'm talking PRs and brands um, and how I can help help them and service them. So, yeah, I'm trying to yeah you know, the next few months are a good thinking time for me. Um, trying to work out what 2016 means. But put it this way, Malk, if 
this time in one year from now, I'm my Twitter bio is the same. Um, I'd be I'd be I'd be disappointed. I wouldn't be upset. I'd just be disappointed, and I'd move on. But yeah, um, I think I can change things up. I've been doing the same stuff for a while. I think it's time to change things up. Well, thank you for joining us today, Trevor. Um, thank you for sharing what you have. Please know that you are highly valued, and the things that you have offered us uh, are special and important. Thank you. Mate, it's my absolute pleasure. Any time at all. Um, you know, Twitter's a beautiful thing like that, isn't it? We're all uh, we're all humans, but 140 characters just doesn't seem to do it justice. Mm. Obviously, you're on Twitter, Trevor. Are there any other social accounts you'd like to own up to? <laughs> Uh, I don't mind my Instagram. It's a bit of fun, um, at Trevor Long AU. God damn, that little teenage kid in America. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm liking the, the Snapchat of late, only because Matthew Wu, who's a, 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 one of the best PR blokes in the, in the city, keeps pushing me on it. That's, I think, Trevor Long AU as well. Uh, Facebook is just slash Trevor Long, and then uh, Periscope follows Twitter, doesn't it? So Yes. It gets, I love Periscope. I think Periscope is fun. Yes. Is there some specific periscoping moment that you would consider as defining for you, or is that still to come? Um, Apple Watch. I remember, you know, we've all watched these stupid unboxing videos on YouTube for years, you know, kids, let alone adults, let alone companies themselves now filming unboxing. But, you know, Apple Watch came out, and Australia's always ahead of the time because of the time zone. So, I mean, I had an Apple Watch 12 hours before America America was even going to see it. So I just sat here, and I just, you know... Put the put the phone on a tripod and sat there looking at it, and oh, there was like, you know, three hundred people watching live, and over the course of the hour, probably three thousand, I think it was. It was just, wow. it made me realise that you can have this direct. I mean, it's weird because I have it on radio. People can ring. You can ring me on the radio every weekend, no problems at all. But still, yeah. people think it's amazing that I reply to a tweet. It's like, hang on, that's what I do. Hmm. Um, so, you know, seeing the, seeing the messages pop up on Periscope, show me the back or show me the side or which one's that. And it's just really cool because it's an interactive, you know, unboxing in that sense. So, you know, actually getting to show, because this is the problem with, with being so immersed in technology. I, I honestly lose sight of the fact sometimes that there are things in my office here that people would love to just get a get to play with so mm. every now and then i've got to remind myself that there's some cool stuff here and why don't i share it with more people so that's that's the cool thing about periscope it's just another outlet for us um because there's a heap of people who don't listen on the radio so let's let's give them something more this has been humans of twitter and i can confirm that at trevor long is indeed human it's like a better tick <laughs> <laughs>